Gavaldik. So, today's daf is daf Tesvav in Meseches Megillah, and we got up to the very top word on Tesvav Amad Aleph. What we ended, uh, we're in the middle of a, of a topic, and the Gemara just showed us that, that Rachav uh, had descendants, and her descendants were Kaihanim, that also were Nevi'im, and we pointed out that she married Yehoshua. The Gemara says, ah, Yeshua didn't have any sons. The Gemara answered that, yeah, but Yeshua had daughters. And therefore, he could have also had these descendants, even though they were not ben Achar ben, son after son. Okay. Now, on the bottom of the previous daf, we gave the list of the eight, uh, the eight descendants of Rachav. Okay? And if we just turn back, let's look at this together. Let's look at their names, because that's important for the following Gemara. The Gemara says, Yudalit Amud Beis. It is five lines from the bottom of the Amud. And the Brisa says, Ve'eluhain. These are the names of the descendants of Rachav. Neria, Baruch, Sroya, Machsaya, Yirmiya, Chilkiya, Hanamel, and Shulam. All right, those were the eight names. And that list starts five lines from the bottom of Yudalad Amad Beis. Now we're going to turn to the top of today's daf, and the Gemara is going to go through these names. Let's go. Bishlama Inu Mefarshi says the Gemara. We understand the first four on the list Yirmiya, Chanamel, Baruch, Suraya. We know they are Nevi'im. Why? Mefarshi. Because it's explicitly there. The Pasuk tells us that they are Nevi'im. We look through the various Pasukim and Nevi'im. It shows that people with these names gave prophecy. Ella Abhasaihu Minolam. The other four names of Chilkiah, Nirya, Machsaya, and, and uh, Shulam. So, how do we know that they were Nevi'im? So, the Gemara gives a fascinating answer. The Gemara says, Kidda We know they are Nevi'im by, con- by, not by context. The proper word over here is going to be. Um, by who they're, uh, let's read this through, and then we'll uh, and then we'll explain how. Whenever you find the name of a navi, and we mention the father's name when mentioning the navi's name, you know he's a navi ben navi. So what's the proper word here? Not by process of affiliation. Is that what it is? But from the fact that the name of the navi when we write it, is affiliated with his father's name, we could have just wrote his name. Why are we writing the father's name? It's letting us know that he's a Navi ben Navi. What happens if you write the name of the Navi, but you don't write his father's name? You should know that the name that we're mentioning here is a Navi, but his father is not a Navi. Memela, we have an answer. Says Ula, the question was, how do you know Chilkiah, Nirya, Machsaya, and Shulam, how do you know um, they were they were Nevi'im. The answer is because why the four Nevi'im that we do know of, it lists their, these are the fathers. Since we listen the father's name along with them, <coughs> we know they were Nevi'im as well. Shema'i v'shem irai mefairish. And Ulu lets us know as well another interesting zach to keep in mind as we learn through Tanakh. And that is if, you, if it lists the name of a Nabi and the place where he's from, that's limiting his city. 
you, we know that he's specifically from that town. Shmai v'la Listen to this beautiful. If it gives the name of a Navi, and it doesn't list his native town, He's automatically from Yerushalayim. Every Yid, where's our home? Yerushalayim. That's where, that's the assumption. Unless you tell me, you, you meet a Yid. Unless you tell me you're from somewhere else, I'm going to assume you're from Yerushalayim. How beautiful. It was taught in a Brisa called Shemaisa Vemaisa Vaisav Stumim. Anytime you have a person's actions and their father's actions are not told to us, it's hidden. And the Torah lists one of them for praise, meaning either the son or the father. For example, the word of Hashem that was given over to Tzfanya, Ben Kushi, the son of Kushi, Ben Gedalia, the son of Gedalia. Okay, this is Gedalia Ben Achikam, Beadua Shu Tzadik Ben Tzadik. Whenever the Pasuk is going to mention something lagnai, detrimental, negative about the person, and we mention the father's name, Kigayin, for example, it was in the seventh month, the month of Tishrei. This is the story when Gedalia ben Achikam was killed, but we have Tzem Gedalia. So Yishmol, the son of Nesanya, the son of Elishama, Came biadua shurasha ben rasha. Why are we listing the father's name and the grandfather to let us know that they can also be put into the same category? Omer of Nachman. Rav Nachman says, Malachi, Chagai Zechariah Malachi. One of the right, the three last of the Nevi'im. Malachi is a Mordechai. Malachi was Mordechai. Why was he called Malachi? Show you Mishnah Lemelech because he was second to the king. So. He's like Malachi, like a mini king. They said, one second. You can't tell me Mordechai is Malachi. It doesn't make sense. Baruch ben Neria. Baruch the son of Neria. Yisroya ben Masiyah. Yisroya ben Masiyah. Vidaniel. Mordechai Bolshan. Vichagai. Vizacharia. Umalachi. Kulam nesnabu b'shashtayim l'dayavish. They all gave prophecy in Dayavish. You see, we listed Mordechai. We listed Malachi. It's two different people. Tiyufta. You must be wrong. Mordechai cannot be Malachi, and the Gemara is going to stick to that. Mordechai is talking not Malachi. So who was who was Malachi? Fascinating. Tanya, we learned it at Brisa. Amir Shub and Karcha. Malachi was actually Ezra. We're going to stick by this. Malachi is Ezra. The Chomer the Chom say Malachi Shmoy. That um, that uh, that Malachi was somebody totally separate by the name of Malachi, and it wasn't Ezra. Okay, so we have two two uh, Pshatim here that we're sticking with. Shot number one is Ezra. Shot number two is Malachi's Malachi. Is he was uh, he was his own person. The one we're not sticking with is that it's that it was Mordechai. That's certainly not true because of the brisa that listed both of their names. Okay, Omar of Nachman. Omar Nachman says, "Mistabra command Omar Malachi is Ezra." I like the opinion that Malachi is Ezra instead of saying Malachi was his own person, his own navi, his own name. I I prefer to say that he was Ezra, and I'll show you why. It says about the prophecy of Malachi. Bugda Yehuda v'tayeva nesasa. Yehuda became perverted. Because Yehuda was mechalal, he made mundane the holy things of the Ahav. That he loved Uba'al Bas El Nechar. And he married the daughter of a Nechar, of a non-Jew. Okay? So Malachi 
had a his calling card, his what we'll call it, uh, his pashkavilin, his signs that he hung up was the issue of intermarriage. Okay, uman afresh noshim and who was the one who made sure that anybody who was married to a non-Jewish woman separated? Ezra. This was Ezra's thing as well. because it says, vayan shechania ben yechiel mi elam shechania ben aliel who was from the family of, of Elam, uh, cried. By Ya'an, he called out, he cried. By Yaimer Ezra. And he said to Ezra, We have been mile against Rabbi Hashem. We've taken something holy, the relationships, and we have made it mundane. By intermarrying with non-Jewish women. So the same way we find by Malachi <coughs> that his thing was to stop assimilation, particularly with intermarriage. This was Ezra's thing as well. Mamela, it would it's more sensible to me, and it makes sense to me to say that Ezra was Malachi. Okay, Gavaldik. Back to the top of the Amud. We were discussing the descendants of Rachav, and we're going to get back into her for a little bit, and then we're going to get back, we'll talk about Rachav, um, and some of our Imais, some beautiful women, and then we're going to get back into the Psukim of the Megillah. Let's get going. There's four women who were beyond beautiful in the world. Sarah, the, uh, they, who were they? They were, Sarah was particularly beautiful. Avigail, Rachav, the Esther. There's an opinion that Esther really didn't have the, the most beautiful physical appearance. She just found grace. Interestingly, ready for this? Mapik Esther Mail Vashti. Take out Esther and put in Vashti. Interestingly, from the four most beautiful women in the world. So we thought they were all four of the most right four of the most righteous women, some of them even being um uh Nevi'is, prophetesses. And over here we're we're putting in Vashti. And uh I wonder, I'm just you know, when I was when I was learning this, I said, like, What's Pshat? Why would it be Vashti? Why is that necessary? And perhaps, I'm thinking, if anybody has a shot, please share it with me. Perhaps the reason why it would be Vashti is to really give over the additional, an additional element of the miracle of birth, right? That Vashti Takwan, Achashverosh called her to the party, right? This Alpi Derech the party should have functioned as normal, and it just adds to the miracle of Esther ultimately coming in and taking Vashti's place. How could you have another woman come fill this role if Achashverosh knew that their taka was nobody else in the land as beautiful as beautiful as his wife? Perhaps. I don't know. Okay. Tana Rabbana. The rabbis learned that's why the rabbis, Rachav, Bishma Zinsa. When you mention the name Rachav, it brings desire. A person has a sexual desire when they hear that name. Ya'el Bekaila. Ya'el was so beautiful that people would would um, have a desire when they would listen to her ver- voice. Avigayo, bizachrasa. Avigayo would bring desire when people remembered what she looked like. Michal basho beriyasa. Michal basho when people actually saw her. And we should keep in mind that that uh, the Bryce is really letting us know there's different ways for a person to come to desire. We need to be careful about all these ways. We need to be careful about sometimes even mentioning something. Sometimes mentioning something itself can bring 
a person to a desire. Sometimes it's listening to their voice. Sometimes it's thinking about them. And other times it's, you know, it's uh, when, they're, when they're right in front of you. And these are four different areas that we need to be concerned about in our own personal lives to ensure that we don't, we, we don't fall to this initial grasp of the Yitzhahara. Amar of Yitzhak. If Yitzhak says, if you say Rachav's name twice, you will have a seminal emission. You'll become a Baal Keri. Well, guess what? Say Rachav, 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 Rachav. Right? If you keep saying Rachav, Rachav, none of us are going to have a discharge. So ask the Gemara, Rav Nachman. Rav Nachman says, we just said it. I just said Rachav, Rachav. Yeah? Nothing happened to me. It didn't matter. Like, I don't understand what you mean. And Yitzhak responded, no. Kiko Amina, where am I talking about that a person will have a discharge? Biyaida umakira. When, when, when you know what she looks like and you're, you're, you know her personality, you're familiar with her. So then if you say Rachav, Rachav, that will lead to a discharge. Mordechai Yoda, es kol asher na'asa. Now we're going to go back into the psukim of, of uh, Megillah Esther. Mordechai knew everything that was taking place now with Haman. My Omar, what was Mordechai's issue? Rab Omar Rab says, Gova Haman Mordechai says, here's the problem. Haman has now elevated himself higher than Achashverish. Until now, we've had to deal with Achashverish, who, you know, he's a no good Nick, but he's also a little bit of a, uh, he's wishy washy. He wasn't so confident in what he wanted. But now that Haman's coming along and gave him that brilliant idea to kill the Jews, and Achashverosh says, oh, I'm following along. Well, guess what? Haman is now the leader in the plan, and he's a much more difficult character to deal with. Shmuel Amr Shmuel says, Gavar Malka Ilah Mi Malka Tata. He says that um, the upper king is winning over the lower king, which is uh, it's really just a mushal, it's a parable. He didn't want to say it straight out. But Mordechai is saying that he believes this is a message from the Rebbeinu Shalom that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not happy with us. Okay? And the queen uh, became weakened. What does it mean she became... What does the word literally mean? Her body became weakened and her uterus opened and she saw dam. Means she had to, she uh, kind of had some sort of diarrhea, and her uh, her bowels opened up. Okay, and Esther called to Hasach. By the way, that was talking about Esther. Okay, when Esther heard what's happening, she became scared. So she called Hasach. I'm a rab. Hasoch is a Daniel. She called Daniel. Why is Daniel called Hasoch? He had been taken out of his original position when he was a chief advisor to Belshazzar. That actually he was not lowered after Belshazzar passed away. He was actually held a very high position in Achashverosh's court, and he was a top advisor. And he was the one who pretty much carved out all of the legalities that, that came out of the king's palace. 
why'd she call Hasach Ladas Malze to know what's going on over here? What's happening? Why is it happening? Omar Rav Yitzchak, Rav Yitzchak says, Shol Chaloi, Esther sent to him, Shema Ovri Yisrael Achamisha Chumshei Torah, my Helege uncle and husband Mordechai. What's Pshat? How is it possible that there is such a terrible decree that's about to come out against Klal Yisrael? Are we being over on the Chamisha Chumshei Torah? Have the Yidden stopped keeping Torah? The Chsid Bahan, Mize Umize Hank Suvim, the Lukas were written on both sides, right? We, we know about the miracle. And when you looked at the Lucas on one side, you saw the Aserz Adibris. When they turned it around, they saw on the other side, they also saw the Aserz Adibris. And that's hinted to Ladas Malzeh similar expression to the Lucas. And she wants to know, you know, it, you know, what's step one of the response to this agreement <coughs> between Haman and Mordechai? Do we need to get Klai Yisrael back on board with following the mitzvahs of the Torah? Okay. Here we go. Vayagidul Mordechai is divrei Esther. All right. So Mordechai sent to Esther, go to Achashverosh. And Vayagidul Mordechai is divrei Esther. They told Mordechai the words of Esther that Esther did not want to go. Okay. So what happens? Ve'ilu ihu It says they told Mordechai. It doesn't say that Hatsoch slash Daniel told Mordechai. Why not? Very choshev idea. You have to know when to put this into practice. But a yid, as much as possible, should try to refrain from being the bearer of bad news. Even if the, the news has to be given over. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, or at least if you have to, you hint it. At least if you have to, you, you hint it, yeah, in a Hanami. But it's, a, it's an interesting zach, you know, and uh, it's interesting to know the background of this idea. Um, you know, just to, this is a little bit before the fact, but we know and the opposite is true as well. Right? Good things happen through good people, and negative things happen through people that are not amazingly, you know, if we have to be bearer of bad news or something happens through me, it's, uh, it's, it's not a good simon. It's not a good sign. Okay. Lech Kenai says, call Ayudim v'goymer. Go gather together all of Klal Yisrael, all the Yin, Asher Loi Kados, which was not the usual law. Amar of Abba, Rav Abba says, this is what Esther asked Mordechai. Um, Rabbi says, This was not the norm. This was not the regular uh, doing. She says, Mordechai, I know you want me to go into Akashverish, but this is going to be the first time going in on my own will. And we pointed this out a couple days ago. Since it's the first time I'm going into Achishverish and he's going to have relations with me on my own doing, our marriage is going to have to terminate as well. Because until now, she was considered an Aynas, like we pointed out. She was considered forced. Now that Mordechai is instructing her to go in on behalf of Klau Yisrael, she's going in on her own will, her own decision. She's not forced. And this is Mamish 
what she's giving up, not only the possibility of her life, but even if she lives, there's a chance Akashvira is going to kill her. But even if she lives, then her marriage with Mordechai is forever over. Vayavar Mordechai. And Mordechai literally means he walked over. Okay? He passed over, passed through. Amar Rav. What does that mean? Rav says, Shehever Yom Rishon Shal Pesach B'Tainis. Mordechai sat in a fast on the first day of Pesach. Now this fast was not for Mordechai alone, it was for all of Klal Yisrael. Klal Yisrael fasted on Pesach. Shmuel Amar, Shmuel says it means the Avar Ar Korma Demaya, that he pulled together in Ar Korma Demaya, a, 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 a pool of water. That's how he brought everybody together into this, um, into this uh, tainus and, uh, and this place to start doing tshuva. And it was on the third day. And Esther put on her royal clothing. Thank you. What does that mean? Big day malchus, she, she put on her malchus. I, big day malchus, should say clothing. She didn't get dressed in, in royal clothing only, but rather it's hinting to us she got dressed in Ruach HaKadosh. It says by Esther that she got dressed, and it says elsewhere, and Amosai was dressed with prophecy, or with Ruach HaKadosh. So you see that the word Levisha could... Uh, could be referring to a spiritual dressing as well. A person should never allow a birchas hedyait, a bracha of any person, even a simple person, to be light in your eyes. If anybody gives you a blessing, you say amen. Because there were two hedyaites. They got a bracha from two hedyaites, two regular people. And the brachas, the, the brachas were niskayim. They were fulfilled. Ve'luhein David v'Daniel. David got a bracha. How do you know? David the birchei Aravna bracha. David got a bracha from Aravna. Dechsev as says in the pasuk. V'yemar Aravna l'Melch v'Gaimer. He gave a bracha to David, and he says he should be accepted as the as the king. And Daniel the barchei Daryavish. Daniel got a bracha from Daryavish. Dechsev elokach yir Hashem the aunt of yours. The, the, your God, the aunt of yours, Palachle Bitidira, um, who you are always um, in Abdus of, you're always in servitude of, who Yishizinvech, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will certainly save you. And this is right before Daniel was saved, in the, as Rashi explained, in the lion's den. So <laughs> this bracha worked for him. And uh, this, is, this is an important message, not only when people give us brachas, but also even if we feel we're not worthy to give brachas to others. It's well known that, that uh, Rabbi Victor Miller would teach that if you ever hear a siren of an ambulance, you ever see a fire truck, an ambulance driving by, you should say, you should give a short bracha. You should give a short bracha. Whoever they're going for should be gesund, should be healthy, should be shever full shalema. Right? I who. We should train ourselves as people. If if brachas are not to be taken lightly, it doesn't cost a penny to give a bracha. Just give a bracha, not as a big shot, but just push it to be able to help other humans so other people can gain from this kayach that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has given us.
Same way, don't let the bracha of a simple person be light. So too, be careful with the curses. It's going to be a covering uh, over your eyes. Okay, referring to blindness. And it happened with Sarah's children, with Yitzchak. When Yitzchak was old, his eyes became... Uh, became blind. Look at the difference between a human being and When it comes to Basav Adam, a person takes a pot. And afterwards, you can pour water into the pot. First, Kaddish Baruch takes the water. And afterwards, he puts the pot around the water. To fulfill the pasuk which says lekayil sisai, the sound of Hashem giving hamayin mayim a lot of water bashamayim in the heavens. It's very interesting. The, you know, we, we find this pretty often, where the Gemara you know tries to say the Gemara says like So you'd think, what's even the conversation? HaKadosh Baruch Hu is different than Basar Look at the difference between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and flesh and blood. Like, what's the comparison in the first place? Right? Why, why would I think HaKadosh Baruch Hu is like Basar But apparently, with the limited minds that we have as human beings, this is how we have to think. This is our mitzvah, our reality. In a Hanami, you're right. There's no... relate. Of course we function... On a completely different wavelength. What's the what's the who in the right mind would compare something that a human makes to something that the Rebbeinu Shalom makes? Abrilamaisa, our minds fathom physical things. That's what we fathom, and we could go. We could use our imagination to go beyond that to a certain extent. But because of that, we need to deal within the realm that our mind is comfortable with. And I think this is actually a very Deep you sight. Because sometimes we try to break out of that boundary and we just get confused. It's important to know when to keep exploring a spiritual existence and when we need to be patient and say, This is weird, this is what my mind can grasp right now. And Bez Hashem as I experience life, as I mature, uh, maybe I'll get a little bit of a further grasp. But sometimes people can go beyond their limit in really grasping ruchnius and grasping, you know, um, things that are, uh, you know, things that are a little above and beyond what our capacity is, and that could be a shtickle detrimental. Perhaps there's a little bit of a message in this where we're saying, like me this It's fine. Nobody would have thought so otherwise, but. Because of how our minds work, the Gemara works within our abilities. says the name of anybody who quotes somebody else when it comes to Tyre. Maybe Gulailam helps bring the Gula closer to the world. Esther quoted Mordechai to the king, and what happened that helped bring the story of Purim. This is fascinating. When a tzaddik passes away, it's lost to his door. That's one way 
to explain it. Another way to understand this is that when a tzaddik passes away, sometimes you also lose the rest of that generation with him, the rest of his generation. So in other words, one way to read this is if a tzaddik's lost, it's lost to his generation, but other generations will still keep learning his Torah or whatever. Another shot you could read this is tzaddik avad, when a tzaddik's lost, l'dayrei avad, it's like his whole, his whole dar is also, is uh, also like leaves with him. It's like, you know, the generation of our grandparents, our great-grandparents, great-great-grandparents. That, that, you know, that wholesomeness, it's, it's lost sometimes with, with, with the loss of a, of a tzaddik who perpetuated those values. It's a mushal to a person who lost a precious pearl. Um, wherever it is, it's called a pearl. The only thing that's missing is your ownership. But the pearl always remains. So too it is with a tzaddik. The generation that he lived in doesn't have many more, but his pearls forever remain. What happens? Haman says, I have everything, but it's worthless to me because Mordechai is not bowing down. When Mordechai, when Haman saw Mordechai sitting at the at the palace of the king, Omar Haman said, "All this is worth nothing to me. All my covet that everybody else has given me, I can't handle this Jew not bowing down. I, millions of people are bowing down to you. Doesn't matter." That one guy, that one guy who's not respecting me, ooh, it hurts too much. Kid Rav Chista, like Rav Chista teaches us, Dhamma Rav Chista. Rav Chista says, ba Mordechai came with his prusbal, with his document, buti. And Haman came with his prusbuti. What is his prusbuti? Rashi says it's a Lashon Anias. It's an expression of poverty. Omar of Papa, the Karile Avda the Mazavan uh, Batali. Haman was called the the Ebed, the servant, who was sold for a few loaves of bread. The Mafarshim teach us the story of years prior. This was not the first time of Haman and Mordechai meeting up. Uh, years prior, Mordechai had saved Haman's life when Haman was uh, was was very, very poor. And uh, Mordechai saved him, but he had him write a document using his Ruach HaKadosh that he's going to need this one day. He had him write a document that he's going to work for Mordechai and be an Eved. And every time Haman saw Mordechai, it reminded him of his poor past and he couldn't, he couldn't uh, reckon with it. He couldn't reconcile his past with his present, which is never healthy for anybody. He couldn't, uh, he couldn't bring, it, bring his mind around to it. And therefore... Um, he says not, none of it's worthwhile. It was too emotionally challenging for him. All of the gzeris of Haman were chakuk, were carved into his heart. Whenever he saw Mordechai sitting at the gates of the king, Omar, he said, None of this is, is uh, worthwhile for me. Huh?
Yud K Bob K. Yeah, beautiful. Ze einenu shoy veli. Wavosepis. So what's the message in that? What's got those words? Got the got the shem Hashem at the end. Uh-huh. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Very good. I have to think about it too. Shkayef for pointing that out. V'yomar b'alaz zom rabbi chanina asakadosh baruch hu liyaisa torah b'raish kol tzadik v'tzadik. In the future, akadosh baruch hu is going to give a crown on the head of each and every tzadik. Shenamar, as it says, v'yayimahu yashem tzavakais. On that day, it's going to be Hashem tzavakais la ateres tzvi, a beautiful crown. My la ateres tzvi ulat tzviras tefara. What does it mean? A beautiful crown. And a and a uh, crown of glory. A person who does the rots in Hashem, vilam tzofim, and a person who's mitzape, a person who waits or yearns tefartai for his glory. The ones who wait for Hashem's glory are going to be zeichet to the crowns. I would think that this applies to anybody. Anybody gets the crown as long as you yearn for the Baruch Hashem. Tamar Leimar, the Sha'ar Amai to the remaining ones of his nation. Lemisha Mesim Atzmai Kishirayim, where a person makes himself like the leftovers, and a person humbles himself to the Rebbeinu Shalaylam and doesn't serve the Rebbeinu Shalaylam for his own self-interest, but serves the Rebbeinu Shalaylam out of humility. Such a person is going to be zeichet to the crowns la'asid la'ayim la'ruach mishbat, and also have a spirit of justice zehadonis yitzray. This is somebody who himself judges his yitzhara, which means they put their yitzhara up to uh, up against the wall, and we cross-examine yitzhara. We say, "Who are you?" The famous story with the chavetz chaim. He's in he was in his nineties, and he wakes up. He see he walked into yeshiva. He said, "I woke up this morning." And my Yitzhahara said, Mr. Omeir, go back to bed. You're 92 years old. You don't need to wake up anymore. You don't need to wake up for chakras. Take it easy. And I thought to myself, he's right. He's right. I've had a nice run. Take a day off. But then I realized, excuse me, Yitzhahara, you're older than me and you're up already. Who are you? So I got out of bed. That was his, that was his drasha. A person who puts the Yitzhahara up against the wall and judges the Yitzhahara and calls, their, and calls his mishigas, right? Call, calls his foolishness. Zahadonis Yitzra. Vilayayayshev a person who sits in judgment. What does that mean? Zahadon din emes A person who is done din emes la'amitay. Okay? Um, a person who makes sure that they have absolute clarity. And for strength, a person who overcomes his Yetzirah. Who come back from war. Who people who argue, they go back and forth, they battle in the words of Torah. In the gates, referring to the Yeah, Baruch Hashem. People like us, we're zeicha uh, to go in the morning, we're zeicha to daven in the morning, we're zeicha to learn Torah in the morning, we're zeicha to learn Torah in, uh, in the evening. Our day is surrounded with words of Torah. The Midas Adin, the trait of judgment, says in front of Hashem, Master of the world, 
Manishtanu elu elu. What's the difference between a yid and an, and uh, and a guy? What's the difference between a Jew and a, and a Gentile? Yeah, everybody's got a spark of uh, image of Hashem. What's the difference? Amar lei, Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Hakadosh Baruch Hu says back to Midas Adin Yisrael Asku B'Tayr. The Jewish people are involved. Doesn't say they study Torah. They're involved in the Torah. That's what the, that's what guides their life. But the nations of the world, they don't follow this guide. Omar Lay. So the Midas Adin said to the Rabbi Yisraelim, the Gam Eila Bayayin Shagu, they also, um, you know, get drunk with wine. They make mistakes when they, uh, when they drink too much uh, whiskey. Paku And they do Averis. Yeah, they, so... Uh, and the word paku lets us know that there that you have yidin who go to Gehenna. And this should not be the a source of stumbling for you. The The word pililia is referring to judges. And he will pay the judges. So the Gemara is giving us a very important message that the midas adin. It is the the trait of judgment that kind of has it out for Klal Yisrael. That Hakadosh Baruch Hu has a response to, but only when we're following in the ways of Torah. As soon as we no longer follow in the ways of Torah, so the Midas then is saying, "What's the difference between uh, a Jew and a Gentile? What's the difference?" And in, in this particular conversation, the Gemara does not give a rebuttal when we actually uh, when we actually do stumble. We do find in other Gemaras, for example, the Gemara in Brachas, Daflamid Beis, talks about, um, you know, how when Klal Yisrael asked HaKadosh Baruch Hu, how do we know you're not going to trade us in even when we turn from Torah? HaKadosh Baruch Hu promises that's never going to happen. So you do find other conversations. But this is a, a, a fascinating brisa with an important message for us to, to have the Torah be the guide for how we function, how we live. Esther stood in the inner court of the palace. Amr Ablebi says, Once she reached the room that had all the tzalims, all of the avodazaras, the idols, the shechina that she clothed herself in left. Amra, she said, Keli, Keli, Lama Azavtani, why are you abandoning me? Are you judging a shaykh like a mazid? Or maybe, maybe your shechina left because I called Achashverish a dog. Um, I should be saved. My nefesh should be saved from the sword. From the hand of this dog. Okay? In other words, maybe, interestingly, HaKadosh Baruch Hu removed the Shekhinah because I spoke to the king as low as he is. I spoke, I spoke about the king in a disparaging way. Chazra v'karose arye. So she changed the tshuva on them. And instead, she called Achishverosh a lion, Shenamar, as it says, Yoishiyeni mi pi arye. Please save me from the mouth of the lion. Esther now sees Esther. 
there were three malachim helping Esther at that time. Echad, Shekbiya Savar. One malach was keeping her upright, keeping her neck erect. Okay, remember, she had been fasting and davening for three days. So she was not in the healthiest and most energetic place. So one malach was there lifting up her neck, giving her posture. And another malach was giving a chut shal chesed, a string of grace, so that she'll come across beautiful to Achashverish, even though again, she had been fasting for three days. And the third one came and made sure to stretch out the scepter of Achashverish. As we know, any, if Achashverish did not uh, extend the scepter to whoever walked into his palace, the guards would grab them and, uh, and kill them immediately. So whether uh, they basically gave Achashverish no choice but to stretch out the scepter of a kama. Uh, how did it work when the scepter was stretched out? The scepter itself was two amas, either four feet or six feet long. And it became 12 amas long. It became 18 or 24 feet. Some say it was even 16 amas, 24 to uh, 32. Some say it was 24 amas. Okay, so it was either 36 or 48. It was either 60, so 90 feet or, a, or a 120 feet. So Achashverish himself knew that there's something happening over here. We also find miraculous stretching out by, Paro, by, by Paro's daughter's arm. Okay? We're still in, uh, we're still in these Parshiyais. Yeah, it's only Monday, so we still have the the, the story of Basia Baspara, beautiful, her hand stretched out. And we we find it by the teeth of Rishaim Dhsiv Shinya Rasham Shibarta. The teeth of the wicked have broken. They that these Rishaim's teeth were extended. Okay, this is uh, the famous story of of uh, when he tried picking up the mountain. And throwing it on top of Klal Yisrael. So his teeth extended into the mountain. He couldn't lift it above his head. The ants came out uh, and uh, dug a hole. The mountain fell on top of him. And uh, ultimately he was killed. The Chena, Rabba bar Ufran Amar Mishum, Rabbi Lazar Shama Mirabai, the Rabbi Mirabai. Rabbi Ufran said the name of Rabbi Yezer, who heard it from his Rabbi, who heard it from his Rabbi, it was Messiah. All right, must have been a big. Uh, a big room in Achashverish's palace for the scepter to, uh, to make it so long. Back into the Megillah. And the king, Achashverish, said, What can I do for you, my queen Esther? What is it that you request? Until half of my kingdom, and I will do it for you. All right? So, not only is the, is the scepter extended, but Achashverosh is extending a very large invitation for her to make a request. Chatsi hamalchus, what does it mean half the kingdom? It sounds to be like he's a stingy husband. He says, oh, to my whole kingdom. First he's telling her it's half, not whole, and nor can it be something 
that's going to break up the kingdom. What does it mean break up? The most important part of my kingdom. And what's that? Binyan Beis HaMikdash. That's something I'm not going to be mevater on. Whether that was Achashverosh's complete mindset at the time, whether this Achashverosh himself noticed that he was saying it using these words, but these words by Achashverosh saying, Achatzi HaMalchus, is letting it be known that um, the, the Jews, no matter what the queen requests, the Jews are never going to be allowed to rebuild the Beis HaMikdash under his reign. So what does Esther say? She says, no, my, my uh, beloved husband, I just want to invite you to a party. Yobai HaMelech V'Haman Hayoyim El HaMishta He says, I want to invite you and Haman to a party. Tanurabana, the rabbis learn, so shui, maras, eser, simna, zaman. What taka was this plan? She says, I want to invite you and Haman to a feast. What's her plan? Rabbi Yazra Aymer, pachim tomnolai. Rabbi Yazra says this was actually a beautiful trap that she was setting for Achashverish. Why? Shenemar, yihishu chonom lefnehem lepach. Their tables, their parties are traps for them. Why? Rabbi Yishua, Aymer, Rabbi Yishua says, Esther picked this up from her family, from her father's home. Shenemar. If, if uh, those who hate you are hungry, give them bread. What does it mean, uh, give them bread? Satisfy them. Rabbi Meir Aymer, Kadesh Yitel She wanted, uh, she wanted Haman to be there so that um, Haman wouldn't break off from Achashverish. It's very interesting. Listen to this. Part of Esther's plan with inviting Haman was so that Haman will stay on Achashverosh's team. Because remember, this was all Haman's idea to wipe out the Jews. Achashverosh is really a follower. So the first thing that Esther wants to establish is that this is really going to be the course of action. That Haman and Achashverosh are going to be a team. Because if Haman, with the newfound power that he has, kind of goes off on his own if he thinks Ahasuerus is not totally in on this then her ability to have an impact is going to be affected because her main impact is on Ahasuerus if Haman ultimately says you know Ahasuerus is not so into this and let me just handle this on my own her her involvement is limited her ability to help so she's, she's making them a team she's making them a unit here Haman's going to feel great and he's uh, and wh- whatever he decides to do, Achashverosh is in on, and ultimately she'll be in on. Rabbi Yehuda Aimer, Rabbi Yehuda says, "Kadesh liyakiru bashi yudas." She invited Haman so that Haman will not find out that she is a Jew. Okay. Rabbi Nechemia Aimer, Rabbi Nechemia says, "Kadesh liyamru Yisrael achayis yeshlanu beisamelech." Another reason why she invited Haman because there were Jews that knew she was in the palace. And you know what they're going to say? We don't need to do tshuva. The queen in the palace, hey, we'll tell you guys behind, behind closed doors, you know, Achashverosh made a thing, but his new wife is Jewish. She'll take care of us. Yeah? She's Orthodox. She'll take care of us. And, um, and Esther was concerned they're not going to do a proper tshuva. They're going to rely on her. 
going to lie in her political pouch. So she invites Haman to get Klai Yisrael to think that she's not there to help. She's even inviting Haman. They're not going to daven properly. Rabbi Yaisi says that um, she wanted Haman there so that at some point she can have him trip up with Achashverosh, do something uh, dumb, and which ultimately could lead to his downfall the same way that it happened to Vashti at a party. She said, another uh, reason to invite Haman is when Hashem sees what she's doing, even though Hashem is Yedea Machshavais, knows thoughts, but if Hashem sees what she's doing, so it's going to see, oh, look, it's terrible. Even Haman's going to Esther's party, and it'll bring the miracle to happen faster. Okay? Um, he says, I'm going to smile at Haman. I'll show him a, a happy countenance. I'll show him a happy, a happy face so that Achashverosh will, will think that me and Haman have something going on together and he'll kill the two of us. She was willing to give up her life if Achashverosh thinks she's, Haman, she's having an affair with Haman. He'll kill her, but at least he'll kill Haman and then it'll give the Jews slash Mordechai an opportunity to change the king's mind. Um, Rav Gamliel, one more, I'm sorry, Rav Gamliel, Rav Gamliel says, Melech hafach pichon hoya, that um, Achashverosh was um, somebody who, who was very wishy-washy. He changed his mind a lot. So therefore, if he would get upset at Haman, she wanted it to be done right away. This way, when she does reveal herself to Achashverosh and let him know that her nation's being killed, she wanted Achashverosh's anger to follow through immediately with killing Haman, which ultimately is what happened. The same way Vashti was killed, Mamish, like at the party, so too Haman was uh, taken out of the party and hung. Amr of Gamliel, and we still need another, uh, another reason given by. Mudai, um, this is Rabbi Eliezer Hamudai, Detanya, Rabbi Eliezer Hamudai, Oimer, Kin Osoi Bamelech, Kin Osoi Bissarim. You know what it is? Just political jealousy. And when Achashverosh would see that she's inviting Haman and giving Haman covet, that automatically, politically, creates a little bit of a breakage in their togetherness, in their relationship, and once the cracks in the relationship start, it'll make it easier for her to ultimately get the decree removed. Fascinating. With the, the w- one action of inviting Haman and the, the, the beauty uh, of, of this move, right? the beauty of, without putting yourself into, uh, into any sort of, of um, you know, a dangerous spot, but, uh, you know, Besides for the second and third shot, which she could have been executed if Achishverosh thought that they were having an affair. Okay. Rabbi Marabba says, Lefnei Shever Goin. Before um, destruction comes arrogance. Abai Verover Dami Tarvayu. What does that mean? Bechumam Oshis Es Mishtayem. When they are chaim, when they are warm, when they are hot, 
That's when I'm going to set up their mishta. That's when I'm going to set up their party. Ashkechei Rabbi Barav. She wants to get in on this. No, she wants to get in on this. You know, Akashveres and Haman are, are, you know, creating this bonding experience over the Jews. And Esther's saying, I'm going to invite them together to the party. I'm going to become the third wheel. Get myself involved. And hopefully, some way, shape, or form, I'll be able to leave an impact. Ashkei Rabbi Barabu Alalio, Rabbi Barabu Amelio Navi, Amar Le, says Alio Navi, Kaman Chazia Esther, Ba'abda Hachi. You have so many reasons given why Esther invited Haman. Which one was the real reason? Omar Le, Alio Navi said, Bekulu Tanai, Bekulu Amarai. She thought about all that. What led to her inviting Haman was every single one of these reasons. Period. Okay. Back into the Psukim of the Megillah. Haman was uh, busy regaling everybody with how rich he was and how many children he had. The Kamaroi Vanov. How many children did Haman Taka have? Amarav Lamid. He had 30 children. Asara Mesu, Vasara Nitlu, Vasara Mechazrin Al Hapsachim. What ended up happening with his 30 sons? Ten died on their own. Ten were hung with the story of Purim. And ten became paupers. Once Haman was taken out, the whole family was completely removed from any sort of status that they had. They became homeless beggars. There were actually 70 sons of Haman that had to go around begging, knocking on doors. They were seveyim, literally means full of bread. Niskaru, they had to work for. Seventy. So seveyim is also, if you change the sin to a shin, is shivim. It could also be read, it's hinting that there were 70 children. According to that, there were a total of 90 sons to Haman. Rami Baraba Amar Rami Baraba says Kulon Masayim Ushmaina Havi Haman had two hundred and eight sons. Shenemar Veriv Banov Reish Beis Riv Banov is the gematria of Veriv Banov Vav is six Reish is two hundred Beis is two hence two hundred and eight. Says the Gemara Veriv Begematria Mosam Barbam. I'm sorry Veriv Banov. Oh, okay. So the Gemara is assuming that Veriv over here is Vavresh Vavvez, because that's how you write it in full form. Um, but that's not how it's written in the Megillah. Veriv Bigmachia Mosam Arbez Abe. Veriv is Vavresh Vavvez. That's 214. Amrach no. It doesn't, it's not spelled like that in the Megillah. In the Megillah, it's spelled Vavresh Vez in the Chasser form, in a lacking form, and therefore the Gematria remains at 208. Okay, that's the answer. Again, let's just read this. Amar of Nachman bar Yitzchak, Veriv Ksiv. It says the word Veriv without that extra Vav, period. Balai lo That night, the king couldn't sleep. Okay, who is the king? Amar of Tanchum. Of Tanchum says, Nadadosh nas malka Kaviyachol, so to speak, HaKadosh Baruch Hu got going. The king of the whole world got going. Now, this is going to be the beginning of the Yeshua. 
that the the upper kaiches got moving, and also the lower leaders got going, referring to Akashverish. Rav Omar Shnas Akashverish Mamish. It was actually referring to Shinas, the actual sleep of Akashverish. Okay, he says, not necessarily he's arguing on the previous pshatim, but he says. Keep it poshup shot as well. Achashverosh couldn't sleep that night. He was having problems falling asleep, or he either fell asleep or woke up because he had the following thing on his mind. Omar, he said to himself, "My the kamon, what's going on in front of me? The zeminte Esther lahaman, that Esther is inviting Haman. Doma eitzer koshakli ilave, maybe." Um, she's taking advice from or he's giving her advice Tahu Gavra from this guy Lemictale to kill him okay maybe they're planning on killing me that is what Achashverosh got scared of okay now remember HaKadosh Baruch Hu could be put, is putting these thoughts in his mind alright now Esther did what she had to do Apidara Chateva but Achashverosh, right? Akadosh Baruch Hu controls everything. So now Baruch Hu put this little bug in Achashverosh's mind, like, hey, what's going on with these two? Okay. Hadar Amar. And then he said to himself, Iachi, now, if they're trying to, if they have it up against me, no one's going to have Rachmanus on me. I've, I, I can't, I've, I don't know who to trust. When people are in positions of power, you don't know who your real friends are. You don't know who you can trust. To have them ideally, who can I trust is going to let me know if this if this is Taka what's going to, if Taka the plan? Hadar and he kept thinking. He said to himself, Maybe there's somebody who I know Taka I could trust. Who Taka likes me. Maybe they once did something good for me. For Lai Parate, I never paid him back. Mimna Inchi, and maybe that's why, you know, when the way it works in politics, do somebody a favor, you expect in return. You know, maybe there's somebody who once did something for me before who could help me again, but I need to make sure they'll help me again by paying them back for what they did for me before. She's not really interested in paying back, except for his own selfish reasons. But they just didn't tell me. Maybe they know, but they're not telling me. He said, please bring me the, the Sefer Hazachrinus, the book of the previous incidents of the kingdom. <coughs> The book of the days. Okay, I want to see if there's somebody who likes me. Perhaps I could rely on them again. But I got to make sure that I pay them for what they did previously in order to be able to rely on them again. You hear this? This is how Achashverish's mind is, is rolling over here. How sad. And unfortunately, there, you know, it's, it's uh, the things that people respect in this world, um, and people who we come to respect, is um, it's a very difficult. It's very difficult to know people who are <coughs> very rich, <coughs> right? People are in positions of power. They they don't know who their real friends are. How do you know if somebody really cares about you, or they care about your pocketbook? How do you know if they care about you, or they care about your position? It's a very tough place to be in. Who are people that really care about me? And the only thing Akashverosh could come up with is that nobody really cares about him, but 
People might do him a favor if he pays them back. What a sad life. So they were brought to be read before the king. Nekroim means that they were reading by themselves. The pages like told over their own story. And it was found to be written. It should say the writing itself was found. What does that mean? This teaches us top of tomorrow's daf. Shimshi, who was in charge of the Sfarim, he was erasing anything that had to do with Mordechai because he didn't want to say anything nice about Mordechai. The Gabriel but the Malach Gabriel came and rewrote everything down immediately. So the only thing that Shimshi could read to the king was something about Mordechai. There was no other way. There was nothing else for him to read. He was kind of forced into this to, to end off. Amar Rabbi Asi Darsh of Shila Ishkvar Tamrata Umak Sab Shalamata Shaliz Chuson Shayusol in a Nimchak. If a book down here on earth is is uh, indefinite and it cannot be erased by anybody when Klaisol does something good remember when a Yid does something down here on earth and the book's in Shemayim it's eternal, it can never be erased we'll hold it here and Bez Hashem will pick up from here tomorrow evening have a wonderful, wonderful night